Welcome to the Treat the Cause podcast with Dr. Greg Emerson, physician, professional athlete, dive instructor, yoga instructor, wilderness survival instructor, and biohacker. Combining lessons from history with medicine from the West, East, science, tradition, and spirituality to optimize health, performance, and longevity. Good afternoon and welcome to episode three of season two of the Treat the Cause podcast, proudly brought to you by my one and only sponsor, which is my company, Promethean Health Formulas. It's my own bespoke, handmade whole food formulas from the ocean, deserts and mountains, made in accordance with nature's rhythms. The only food supplements I know that are also infused with red light, not exposed to any blue light, and also infused with healing solfigio frequencies. As usual, today's podcast is based around my two foundational principles. Principle number one, of course, is that health comes from living in harmony with nature's laws and rhythms, Consistent with the Gaia theory that living organisms and their inorganic surroundings have evolved together as a single living system, and also consistent with the quote from neuroscientist Carl Friston that the anatomy of any system has to contain within it a model of the environment in which that system is immersed, which means that... The universe is made up of fractal patterns, which means that we are part of the universe and the universe is part of us. And the second foundational principle is that Bitcoin is money for the people, by the people. Like the sun, it is a decentralized, permissionless part of the peaceful revolution. So today we're going to talk about some of the recent medical studies, particularly on the microbiome sunlight and persistent infections and we're also going to talk about the volatility of bitcoin so the first study i wanted to talk about was the study which looked at the diversity of the microbiome and the presence of long persistent viral infections remember that viral infections can be acute and active you're in the middle of the illness or they can be latent and persistent latent means the virus is sitting there inside our cells not doing anything, like anybody who's had a cold sore on the lip, everybody still who's had a cold sore on the lip still has the herpes virus, it's just sitting somewhere in the cells doing nothing, well at least we think it's doing nothing, I don't assume that though, or it's persistent, which means that there's a low level of viral replication going on, so low that perhaps that you don't recognize the symptoms as being typical of that virus. And what the study showed was the study showed that the more diverse your microbiome, the less likely you were to have persistent long haul of viral symptoms. So that's why improving the diversity of the microbiome is so important. And of course, that diversity comes from organisms from nature, which is why I'm always out in the garden and hiking in the wilderness and exposing my abdomen to the sunlight because exposing the abdomen to sunlight has been shown to improve microbiological numbers. And there was also interestingly a study out this week which showed that 9 out of 10 children now have a microbiome plagued by extinction of multiple species, including one of the species which allows for optimal absorption of nutrients from breast milk, 
which is why it's very important that mothers and babies do a lot of work on improving both microbiological diversity and numbers. The second study was also relevant to that because it looked at Parkinson's disease and persistent viral infections and they found that persistent viral infections were almost certainly a risk factor for the development of Parkinson's disease. Now remember as I always say there's a difference between a risk factor and the cause of something. Just like there's more than carrots in a carrot cake. Just like multiple streams run into a river which eventually ends up in the ocean. And part of medicine and health is determining which of the streams which run into the river and addressing all of them. So persistent viral infections appear to be one of the risk factors for the development of Parkinson's disease. And these persistent viral infections are in the brain. And therefore, that's why I spend a lot of time improving my immune system because the stronger our immune system, the less likely we are to have persistent viral infections and also improving my microbiome as we just discussed because we now know that the more diverse the microbiome, the less likely we are to have persistent viral infections as well. The third study was the great news that it appears that one of the risk factors for the development of motor neuron disease, which is which like Parkinson's disease is another degenerative brain disease, appears to be dysfunction of the mitochondria of the axons of the brain. So the axons are the nerve fibers which come out of neurons or nerve cells and those axons allow nerve fibers to communicate with each other. It's like a piece of string which then goes to a gap called a synapse which converts electrical energy relayed in the axon to chemical energy in the synapse, the gap between the two axons, which allows information to be passed electrically, chemically, and then again electrically to the next axon to communicate information through the axons from neuron to neuron. And it appears that there's mitochondrial dysfunction in the axon of people with motor neuron disease, which is giving researchers a chance to look at ways of improving that mitochondria. But for me, of course, the best way for me to improve the function of my mitochondria is to look after my melatonin levels because it's melatonin which gets rid of old dysfunctional mitochondria and promotes the healthy mitochondria. Now, interestingly, we also know that melatonin, we think it's produced from the pineal gland, but we now have evidence that mitochondria also produce their own melatonin. So they produce melatonin to help reduce the byproduct of metabolism, which is free radicals, which then cause what's called oxidative stress. So interestingly, that the mitochondria, which produce our energy, but in so doing, also produce pollution, also produce melatonin to help manage that pollution. So again, looking after our mitochondria is absolute critical importance. So that's why I get up and I see the sunrise every morning and I protect my eyes and my skin from blue light after it gets dark at night because the importance of the circadian rhythm to melatonin production. So we now know, interestingly, that bacteria, which were originally the source of mitochondria, produce melatonin. And we also know that bacteria, as I discussed last week, have genes for circadian rhythms. So the original life force on the planet bacteria not only have a circadian rhythm, also produce melatonin, which shows us exactly how important those two, the melatonin and circadian rhythms, to our health if the original life forms on the planet, which have been around for billions of years, 
encode for them. And the final medical study I want to talk about was the news that androgens help reduce the risk of breast cancer in women. Well, that's estrogen-dependent breast cancer. Breast cancer which has estrogen receptors on it and whose growth is promoted by estrogen. Now, estrogen is not going to cause breast cancer. Estrogen is a natural hormone in women. But if, you, if women who develop breast cancer, which has estrogen receptors on it, then estrogen will accelerate the growth of that breast cancer. Because estrogen is proliferative, it makes things grow. Growth is good in a person without cancer. And the body is very smart in that whenever it gives us a growth substance, it also gives us another substance to balance that growth, to make sure that growth was not excessive. And it turns out that that growth is controlled by the presence of androgens in the body. And androgens, testosterone, of course, is the most common example of an androgen. So it appears that the testosterone is there to make sure that the growth effects of estrogen are controlled. So women have both estrogen and testosterone. And of course, men both have estrogen and testosterone, which is one of the reasons why I'm often on the beach making my videos, because we now know men's exposure to sunlight increases their testosterone levels. That would suggest that there's no reason why a woman's exposure to sunlight would also not increase their testosterone levels, which we now think, according to the study, that it protects women against the excessive growth caused by estrogen. So just another reason to get out to the beach and get some sun. And finally, in part two, I want to talk about the decentralized, permissionless, immutable revolution of Bitcoin and the criticism that it's too volatile, that its price goes up and down too much. Well, guess what? Life is volatile. The world is volatile. Nature is volatile. The ocean's volatile. The sun is volatile. And we have to live within that world and nature with oceans and sunlight and learn how to cope with that volatility because the flip side of the volatility is that those things bring us great joy and happiness. And we know that Bitcoin has in the last 12 months increased by 200% and has so since its creation that I'm prepared to take some volatility to obtain 200% return on investment compared to 10% that I might get with gold. The other point is that with the increasing institutional and corporate investment and adoption of Bitcoin, that volatility is going to start to decrease dramatically because institutions and corporations are much less likely to be buying and selling on a daily basis. They're in there for the long term. It's also volatile because it has no weight, but that's also one of its benefits. Bitcoin has no weight. It can be stored easily in cyberspace and can be moved across the world at the speed of light. It's not impaired by mass and location like an investment like gold will be. So volatility, lightness, speed of movement, they're all advantages to Bitcoin, not disadvantages. Some people say that Bitcoin's in a bubble, that the volatility represents the fact that it's in a bubble. But I don't think it's, a, it's in a bubble. It's in what we call price discovery, which means that somebody, Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever Satoshi was, has come up with an invention, a creation, which is still finding its value. Bitcoin is a unique invention to a universal problem, just like the airplane was, just like the printing press was, just like the internet was. And those things aren't in bubbles. They had to 
have some time to find their value. It's like somebody coming up with an invention and they don't quite know how powerful their invention is and they don't know what price to sell it. And over time, that person finds out that invention is going to solve a problem that has not been solved previously in the history of mankind. Well, it's going to take a little bit of time to find the value of that invention, which is not a bubble. It's price discovery. And once you understand that, it allows you to be at peace with the price fluctuations of Bitcoin because you understand that it's a natural phenomenon of the universe. It's a natural phenomenon of nature. And it's a natural phenomenon of price discovery of a unique invention to a universal problem, which is decentralized, permissionless, immutable, and can be transported across time and space in seconds. All right, that's enough for this week. I'll see you next week for more from the Treat the Cause podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can join me and some intrepid health fanatics on my Patreon page at www.patreon.com. See you next week. Namaste.